0: Welcome to Letters to Women, a podcast that explores the feminine genius. The Catholic Church doesn't allow women to become priests. If that's something that frustrates you as a Catholic or as a woman, don't walk away from the church because of this fact. But also don't ignore the fact that you're frustrated. When tough topics in the Catholic Church come up in conversation, it's tempting to shy away from those conversations or to brush them under the rug and say, well, that's just how it is. We have to accept it because of faith. Instead, Let's have those vulnerable discussions when we admit that we don't understand where the church is coming from sometimes, but we know that we can find answers, and we can also find community in those struggles. If you've found truth, goodness, and beauty in the Catholic Church, but still struggle with some of her teachings, you are not alone. Today we're going to be having a conversation about the all-male priesthood, and especially what that means for Catholic women. But I'm really excited to bring Jonna back on the podcast she offers an incredibly unique perspective to the conversation, and it was wonderful to hear her thoughts on the subject. I really enjoyed today's conversation, and I hope you do too. We are welcoming to the podcast today, Jonna Wilford. Jonna is a familiar voice on the podcast. She joined us last year, back in November 2017, to talk about Catholic Women Run, an organization that not only challenges women in their workout routines, but also challenges women in their faith life. So, John, it's so great to have you back on. Welcome back to Letters to Women.
1: Thank you. And I do have a new name now, though, since yes! then. Yes! <laughs> gotten
0: married. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yes, I Congratulations. did. Congratulations. <laughs> so Thank great. you. So today we're going to be having a conversation about an issue that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, Catholics and non-Catholics alike, a conversation about the role of the priesthood in the Catholic Church, specifically the role of an all-male priesthood in the Catholic Church. But despite this being kind of a confusing topic, I think it's a conversation that more people should be talking about, especially as Catholics, especially as Catholic women, and Johnny, you recently wrote this beautiful article over at Fem Catholic that I will link in the show notes for listeners. May You talk about your story and your experience with this subject, and I can't wait to dive into it with you. But before we get started on that topic, can you tell listeners a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman and your journey into the Catholic Church?
1: Yes. So I am a Catholic convert. I, I guess it's been two years now, maybe a little over that, that I have come home, as we say. I grew up... Jewish, then I became Episcopalian, which is actually an important piece of the article that I wrote, and I have become Catholic. So the whole female priesthood thing obviously is very different in the Episcopal Church than it is in the Catholic Church. So I've kind of had experience on both sides.
0: For those who aren't super familiar with the Episcopalian Church, can you tell us a little bit about what the priesthood looks like in that denomination?
1: So they're Many female priests. Actually, I guess it depends on the part of the country you're in because I'm originally from Alabama. And when I became Episcopalian, I was in Alabama and I really only knew male priests. But when I moved to Los Angeles for a year of service, I definitely knew a lot more female priests. Priests are also can be married in the Episcopal Church, females and males. And there are also openly gay and married priests in the Episcopal Church.
0: Is that difference you are talking about, like, when you lived in Alabama versus when you lived in L.A.? Is it, like, a cultural, like, geographical Cultural, thing? for yeah, sure, because, like,
1: sense. it's still a lot more conservative in the South than it is in Los Angeles.
0: Before you came home to the Catholic
1: Church, you had discerned
0: a call to the priesthood as an Episcopalian. So can you tell us a little bit about what that discernment process looked like for you?
1: Yeah, so I completely, I, I mean, I do not take for granted the time that I had in the Episcopal Church. The fact that I have now become Catholic is still kind of hard for me because I had so many good mentors in the Episcopal Church. And I actually do think that the discernment process in the Episcopal Church is a lot better than in some other denominations. Mm -hmm. Because in some Christian denominations, it really is like, oh, if you, call yourself a priest, then you're a priest. Or if you call yourself a pastor, then you're a pastor. You might have to go through something that's not too intense. But in the Episcopal Church, it is pretty intense. So first you start at your parish level, you form a committee of people who know you and who have recognized you in the church and your contributions to the parish. And you spend quite a few months with this committee, getting to know each other, but then also discerning, hearing what God is saying about your call to the priesthood. Well, actually, not even to the priesthood. It's actually just vocation in general. So the vocation could either be the priesthood or it could be the diaconate. And then, of course, there's the lay vocation, which all of us are called to. So that discernment process is kind of the first step. And then once the committee, if they hear a call to ordained ministry, then you move to the diocesan level. And there's a committee that... Does the same thing, but only in in a weekend. It's kind of like a faster version. It's pretty intense, though, because it's from, like, Friday night until, like, Sunday night of, like, interviews with this committee and all these different things. Um, If you get past that level, then you meet with the bishop. the diocese and if the bishop of the diocese also agrees then you can start applying to uh, theological schools you go through school you get all your schooling you get your education then you have to go back to the bishop to see if in that time because it usually takes a a few years to get that degree if anything has changed and if he still sees that call to ordained ministry in you then once you get past that then you're able to become a deacon you have to be a deacon for about six months. And then, of course, if your call is to the diaconate, you stay that way. But if your call is to the priesthood after six months, then you become a priest. So it's very long and involved.
0: <laughs> a lot of it sounds familiar to the Catholic discernment for the priesthood, too, when it comes to seminary, the diaconate, the bishop, having it within a diocese.
1: Yes, exactly. Which So I definitely, I think part of the reason this was so successful for me is that that discernment was in place. So it is very good I mean, of course, there can be discernment processes that are kind of just a check of the box, which happens in every denomination. But I do think that mine was what it should be. And I actually only got to the parish level. I never got beyond that because both my parish committee and myself at the time, we expressed it as saying not right now. But of course, since then, it is Not ever because I am Catholic. So,
0: what were some of the things that drew you into discerning the priesthood as an Episcopalian in the beginning for that process?
1: I'm the sort of person that I go all in, and I wasn't really very religious even in my Jewish faith. It wasn't until I became an Episcopalian that I really felt the love of God, and I really made it a part of my life. And I wanted to always be at church, learn more, and be surrounded by people who were faithful. And I just never seemed to get enough of church and God and all of that topic. And so part of it, I think, was, well, what? how, how much more involved can I get? But there was also always a little bit of hesitancy with me anyway, because, well, for one thing, I feel like people were pushing me into it. So in some ways, I almost felt like it was a, oh, you're female. Oh, you're Hispanic you should be a priest. And also, oh, you're really into this, you should be a priest, which which actually happens in the Catholic Church, too. My husband was very into his faith, he was at church, and he said that there was a priest who had told him, you should be a priest. And right. I feel like we have this, that's a culture of, oh, if you're really into church, you should be ordained, which is not really the case. Everyone has a vocation, and it might not. You can still be really into the going to church and never get enough of it, it doesn't mean you're called to be what you're not, if that makes sense. No,
0: that makes total sense. I remember growing up, especially in college, where I got into my faith much more than I had in high school. And anyone from, you know, fellow college students to people at my parish back home would see me go to daily mass or see me involved in a Bible study. And yeah, that very, very much similar, like, oh, you're you're really into your Catholic faith. Have you ever considered discerning religious life? And While there's, I think, a beauty in that invitation, it's you can have a relationship with God. You can have a relationship with the church without, like you said, discerning that religious life aspect or that vocational.
1: Yeah, and it's almost like, oh, you can only be really into this if you're ordained, which makes no sense. Exactly. Like, (laughs) so that was, it was kind of a push from people around me, me thinking about it. Also, it was like, well, I am really into this, so maybe I should. But the hesitancy I mentioned before that I always had was, I always felt that even in the Catholic Church, there's the priesthood, there's also the diaconate, and then, of course, there's the laity. And we seem to be prioritizing the priesthood and encouraging people who are really into their faith to go to that, but not even really thinking about the diaconate or what all of us should be doing as laity. And so I actually was torn from the beginning of whether I wanted to be a priest or deacon because I liked the idea of... I kind of thought of it as like, because the deacon is sort of prophetic. In the Episcopal Church, they're not paid by the church. I don't know how it is in the Catholic Church. But they have a lot more freedom to kind of be the prophetic call in the church because they're not being paid by the church. And so I was always kind of drawn to that. So
0: how does then your conversion to Catholicism fit into this? What was the timeline for you discerned priesthood in the Episcopalian Church? You also converted to Catholicism. What did those look like on a timeline?
1: So when I was discerning, uh, the not right now happened when I was still in LA. Mm -hmm. And a few months or within a year, I had moved to Lexington, Kentucky, because I had found a new job. I knew I didn't want to be in LA anymore. The job... Involved me having to interact with a whole bunch of different denominations. I worked with churches and faith-based institutions. And so I learned a lot more about Catholicism at that time. And as I started learning more about Catholicism, I also had become a runner. And so all of these things sort of like interacted. Me not being a discernment anymore, but also running and learning more about the Catholic Church kind of allowed me to... I think the first step was that running piece that, like, it made me think about self-discipline, which made me want to go off birth control, which made me want to not have sex with my now husband, then fiancé, and even before that, just someone I was dating. That self-discipline and okay, I understand now that God wants this of me, and when I do what he wants, I actually am happier than when I was just doing what the world wants. And then the marriage piece actually connected... Even though I had become Catholic, I, had always, I still struggled with the whole female priest thing because I had discerned that call, and I knew priests in the Episcopal Church still who were female, and I actually know one who was Catholic and is now Episcopalian and becoming a priest. I understand that desire to, especially during the Eucharist, like hold up the Eucharist, be touching Jesus, be a part of that and helping to give that to people, but I knew it wasn't what the church wanted, what God wanted, and I was still struggling with it until I went to my marriage retreat.
0: Yeah, let's dive deeper into that, because I love that piece where you talk about how your discernment of marriage and your understanding of the theological aspects of the sacrament of marriage, how, how did that help you understand the Catholic stance on priesthood?
1: Yeah, so I realized, I really dug deep with The theology of marriage, so what exactly marriage is, it's the sacramental part of it, which, I mean, you don't really think about the sacramental part of the marriage until you're actually going through it, the discernment to become married. But the fact that marriage is literally you and your spouse, your bodies are the form, right? So the form of marriage is the
0: consent. And when spouses give this consent publicly in front of the church, their marriage is presume valid and the matter consists of this consent and the husband and wife's desire to live together in unity and consummate their marriage with their bodies
1: exactly and so that was an epiphany for me it was like this is why I always felt I think I always felt called to discernment to some sort of ordained whether it was diaconate or priesthood because I wanted to serve i wanted my body to be part of that serving and I realized when I was going through my marriage retreat that my body is, will provide through me and my husband.
0: When Joseph and I got married back in 2017 for our wedding ceremony, we walked in together. It shocked quite a bit of people at our wedding. But I loved the th- beautiful theology back behind that where it's like you and your spouse are the ministers of the sacrament and the ministers of the sacrament in a traditional procession into the church for a sacramental mass walk in last because there's such a beautiful significance in that and i think it's easy to think of the priest as the minister of a sacrament mm-hmm. especially for marriage to think oh yeah we even say yep. it too like oh this father so-and-so married me no that's not true you mm-hmm. and your spouse married each other and your, the priest witnessed your vows and i think that when you have that understanding of marriage that shifts even how you think of your role as like a husband or as a wife because you're a minister of a sacrament it's not like a one and done while well, we had an hour at mass that we were ministers of a sacrament. That's a sacrament that you live out daily in your married life. And that's something that you're constantly called to be the minister of.
1: Yep. And I think that goes back to what we were saying about how we don't understand how there's such a strong push to the religious life. If you're really into it, I mean, that's a great vocation, but it's not mine. And we can't assume that the minister of every single sacrament is the priest. Cause it's not
0: when it comes to the Catholic church's stance on, an all-male priesthood, it's not something that can change because Christ deliberately chose an all-male priesthood. He created the sexes to be distinct, each with their own unique gifts. There's another article on Catholic, another one that I'll put in the show notes, and it's by Emily Archer. And she writes about her discernment with coming to terms with the Catholic belief that there's an all-male priesthood. And she writes this, Motherhood is the natural feminine complement to priesthood. So before we get into what your reaction to that phrase is as a Catholic woman. If you'd heard that phrase as an Episcopalian woman, what do you think your reaction would have been to that?
1: I probably at first would have been like, why are you making this what I'm about? Motherhood, having a child, this is like what you're relegating me to, Mm. maybe is the word. Mm -hmm. But I also would have felt a sense of, but I also really, really want to be a mother, like a physical mother. So, and that's actually... Part of what I struggled with when I was in the discernment process was I didn't see how I could kind of reconcile being a priest and being a mother. And I knew female priests who did it, but I just. Never understood how I could do it.
0: So then now hearing that phrase as a Catholic woman, especially as a Catholic woman who's married in the vocation of marriage, what, what is your reaction to that phrase now and how do you understand it now as a Catholic woman?
1: Yeah, so I read Emily's article pretty soon when I was discerning becoming Catholic and I think it might have been very soon before I became, like, came into the church. And I was so thankful to find Fem Catholic when I was that early in the process because I am a very strong feminist and to most of my secular friends or Episcopal friends, it would look like going into the Catholic church that I am pushing against my feminist roots. And so the fact that I had this resource at Catholic to talk about all the things I would want to talk about, but in a way that was truthful to the church was amazing. And Emily's article was one of the first ones I remember. And I remember that phrase about motherhood because that was the first time I had thought about it that way. Yeah. That, I was like, oh, the priest is the father and I'm the mother. And there's still some that doesn't, it's not quite equal because really the priest isn't, I don't know if the priest actually is the father. I still struggle with the comparison a little bit, but definitely I am the mother. And that made me think about it's my body and the priest sacrificing that body through the Eucharist when he is participating in the mass.
0: Right. And then how, as women, as mothers, especially, I think it's really easy to see in biological motherhood. Like when you look at a pregnancy, when you see women physically offering up their bodies for their children um, and bringing life into the world, I think too, it's harder to see. And it's something that I'm just now diving into. So it's probably just raw thoughts in spiritual motherhood. All women are called to be mothers. That spiritual maternity or that maternity as a whole is something that all women are called to. And so it's going to look different for each woman. Motherhood lived out as a religious sister is going to look completely different than motherhood lived out as a married woman. Um, But there's Mm -hmm. still that beauty of that invitation of, of self gift, um, whether that's of our bodies and how there's still the opportunity to offer ourselves up for the good of others, for the good of, of the church as a whole too.
1: And that was another piece of it that when I finally understood the meaning of marriage and motherhood and the marriage means physical motherhood, if, that happens i finally felt less guilty about why i felt it was difficult for me to be a priest and a mother because it really is like i would feel like i am trying to live out two vocations at once because the people i knew who had kids and were priests they didn't get to spend sunday with their kids because they were participating in the services like all day and i want to be able to participate that in that with my family
0: coming from your Episcopalian background and you have people who knew you when you were Episcopalian before then as well. And then now as a Catholic, how do you answer, have you ever been asked the question, you know, does the church oppress women because of the all-male priesthood? If you were to encounter that question, or if you have, how would you respond now as a Catholic woman who has this beautiful background of of discernment of the priesthood in a different denomination?
1: Yeah, I have never been asked that directly by anyone. I do wonder what, some of the friends that I had in the Episcopal Church think about me becoming Catholic. I do remember once I was a um, board member in a uh, Episcopal organization. And, of course, when I became Catholic, I had to say I can't be a board member anymore. I've become Catholic. And I, she kind of set off the cuff. I sometimes worry about people like women who become Catholic because I think— Don't remember her saying this, but I do think it had something to do with, like, oppressing and things like that. At the time, I was so new, and it was really just a phone conversation. I couldn't go deep into it. I also didn't know as much as I know now about this epiphany. And I didn't have the words to express that I felt like she was wrong in saying that. But now I guess I would have to say I feel like I actually can embrace more of myself as a Catholic woman than I was able, able ever to do in my life before which might not make sense to people because it's so i hate to say subjective because there's also objective truths but to really understand the truth you do have to experience it yourself
0: especially with femme catholic it's a resource that i loved i stumbled upon it probably about a year and a half ago if not a little bit longer and i love how things that the world thinks are directly opposed like standing up for women feminism as a whole in a wholesome holy understanding of that word how it was originally intended and catholicism they really aren't opposed they aren't nope um at all actually and i love how there's so there's a lot of misconceptions about the church when it comes to how women are treated um, or the the role that women mm-hmm. have, or the authority that women have, but then when you dive deeper into it, and I think you're right, it's a definitely a lived experience. Um, yeah. That's not necessarily, that's not the case. Like, that's not the reality of the situation at all.
1: But, I mean, that's a, kind of the gospel, right, is it's a lived experience. Like, you know that this is the gospel, but then you have to experience it in, uncover more layers and go through more experiences. And then and then, you start to understand a little bit more.
0: You can imagine people walking with Jesus when he was on this earth and looking at it from kind of the outside in and thinking, this is crazy. What are they doing? Yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> What do they got going on? And then when you have that experience, when you're living day to day with Christ, when you're sitting at his feet and listening to his words, when you're being sent out by him on a mission as a disciple, that's incredibly different. And I love how Being able to sit down and think about these subjects that are confusing from the outside in when it comes to Catholicism for those who aren't Catholic really bears a lot of fruit in, in our lives as Catholic women as well.
1: Yeah, I actually really love that image. It made me think of if I was with Jesus in my early life, I probably would have been one of those people like that's crazy and I wouldn't have followed him. But then as soon as I, even though I wasn't completely Catholic, when I started following some of the things that the Catholic Church taught, I was like, oh. This makes me feel a lot better than what the rest of the world wants me to do. So So, sometimes you just have to take the plunge and just try it and then see how you feel.
0: Exactly. Some women who are listening to this may not have, it's easy to take some parts of the church for granted when you're a cradle Catholic. I'm a cradle Catholic. I grew up with the all-male priesthood was very much a normal reality. I never thought that there was, I think like when I was younger, that there was an alternative to that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Or the other denominations had women as priests. That would have seemed just like a completely foreign foreign topic to me so for women who are listening who are cradle Catholics and they may have never thought oh yeah there is a lot more to this subject or they haven't been asked questions about it or haven't really had the chance to think about it do you have any resources or recommendations for them to dive deeper into after listening to this conversation
1: oh man um I still feel like I need to find a lot more resources but the things that have helped me so far in order to at least get. To where I am now is definitely that article by Emily Archer. I believe she put some resources in there as well. I don't remember which ones I actually looked at. I'll have to go and see. But really, it was just looking in the catechism and looking at the vocation, like actually reading what the priesthood is and reading what marriage is, because that was pretty eye opening.
0: Yeah, no, I think the catechism is definitely an underappreciated and overlooked. Um, yes, something that's available.
1: because I do remember reading it when I was becoming Catholic. I think sometimes you also have to read the catechism with other people. Yes. So maybe even specifically a priest. The only way that I had that epiphany about what marriage is and what the priesthood did is because in our marriage retreat, the priest actually took the time to really unpack it. So... It might be a good idea just to get a group together and read the catechism on those things.
0: Yeah, no, especially when each sentence in the catechism. I've been doing a little bit of studying on it myself with other topics, not even related to the sacraments yet. But it's like a sentence by sentence. I'm going to read a sentence. I'm going to step away for a little bit. I'm going to think about this because mm-hmm. it's so beautiful and deep and rich and something that just really encompasses what we believe is Catholic so beautifully and puts it so well. Um, It just gathers a lot of information, whether that's from the early church fathers and from scripture and from tradition and just really makes it accessible all in one spot for sure. But yeah, with like a small group of women, if you have a small group of Catholic women or of just women who gather together to regular, maybe you discuss the Bible study normally or you get together for accountability. Like this would be something that would be really beautiful to dive in because I think each each of us as Catholic women have a different lived experience of our faith because we're each unique. Mm-hmm. And so each one of us is going to have a different perspective on this, how we interact with this aspect of Catholicism. So I think it's definitely something that's worth And I
1: think that's, I think the resource needs to be actually us having these conversations as well, yes. because I didn't even think when I had this epiphany, I was talking to Samantha Pavlock, the creator of Them Catholic about something else over the phone, because sometimes we touch base with each other. Yeah. And I explained to her how I was feeling about the marriage retreat and priesthood. She was like, wow, you really need to write an article for, for us about that. I was just like spouting stuff off, and I didn't <laughs> think it would have any effect at all. No, it totally So does. it's when we have these conversations and we open up with each other that we realize what we take for granted, I guess,
0: And it takes that vulnerability too, because it also takes that, like, hey, this is a part of Catholicism, regardless of what it is, whether it's all male priesthood, whether it's the Eucharist, whether it Mm -hmm. is contraception, and hey, this is a part of Catholicism that I really, I'm struggling with. I know it's true, but I'm still coming to this awareness of how it fits into my life or how I'm interacting with it, and having that vulnerability and bringing that to a group of people that you trust is so beautiful mm-hmm. because you'll probably find out that you're not the only one who struggles with aspects of Catholicism. And it's just so beautiful to not feel like you're alone in that um, and to be able to dive into those and have hard conversations about tough topics because in the end, what you realize is that you're surrounded with, hopefully, and God willing, a community of of people to dis- to discern through that with you and to to just really dive deep into the, the truth of what the Catholic Church offers.
1: Yes, definitely. So, Jonna,
0: just a question to wrap this up, bring it back to the Feminine Genius Um, How do you live out the feminine genius as a woman, as a Catholic woman who lives, breathes in an environment of a Catholic environment that does have an all-male priesthood?
1: I actually talked to one of my best friends about this, too, because especially with the scandals that have Mm -hmm. been coming about, we feel like if there were more women in at least higher authority positions, that we don't mean like ordained Because there are other things besides the priesthood that interact and help. But definitely we feel like there need to be more women who are represented. You do have to separate the church as an institution with men who are broken and women who are broken from what God wants and laid out for us. And so that's how I always kind of live that out is if I'm really struggling with something because I feel like my place as a woman is, there's not really a place for me in the church. I remind myself that there is. I kind of read all the things out there that that helps me. The role of the feminine genius, especially in a church that is broken, especially a church that is hurting,
0: um, plays a, a big part. Especially Such a
1: big part. Because yeah. I think what we were discussing was the fact if there were more women maybe not maybe these things wouldn't have happened or things like that but like I feel like there would have been more of a like especially because she's a mom I want to be a mom Mm -hmm. you would not be if anyone anything had come up about well hey we think this might be going on a woman would have been like nipping it in the bud
0: I love that beautiful differentiation between there is an ordained clergy there is an ordained priesthood but we're also as christians invited into the priesthood of christ that priesthood of all believers the fact that we have a role in bringing christ to others regardless of what gender we are um, whether you're a woman whether you're a man whether you're an ordained priest or whether you're a single catholic woman or a catholic mom like you still have a role in bring in being christ to others and bringing him to others too yeah Jonna thanks so much for your thoughts on this thank you for gosh for your vulnerability in writing that article I read that and just I loved it it was beautiful it'll be linked in the show notes for people to dive into deeper um, as well as Emily's article so thanks for coming back on the show it was just a really joy to have you back on
1: thanks for having me I was glad to be here hopefully your uh, audience won't get tired of me
0: (laughs) nope not at all (laughs) (laughs) listening to the show. If you head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com, you can find the show notes for this week's episode, which include links to Catholic Women Run, Jonna's article on her discernment process, and a few other links to articles that we mentioned throughout the show. I also linked to an article that I've written about how Joseph and I skipped out on a traditional way of getting up the wedding aisle in favor of a tradition that really emphasized our roles as ministers of the sacrament. Today we tackled a heavy topic for Catholics, but I want to keep fostering this type of conversation. So if you have a topic that you'd love to see discussed on Letters to Women, send me an email at chloe.langer at gmail.com. That's C-H-L-O-E dot L-A-N-G-R at gmail.com. And tell me about it, because I'd love to hear your thoughts. And that's all I have for today's episode. So until next time that we chat, be not afraid.